Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Palm trees and boulevards, baby. That's right. I'm in southwest Florida. Brought the kiddos down to see the grandparents for a couple of days here, but we're gonna keep this crank turning for you. And how we're gonna do that is we're standing out in front of Active Lifestyles, which is, as they call it, a snow skiing store here in Sarasota, Florida. They also run the Sarasota Ski and Snowboard Club, which takes folks all around the world to go skiing and riding uh, who otherwise live down here in the Sunshine State. Let's find out. Just one more thing, Lieutenant. This episode of Wintry Mix is proudly supported by Propeller Media Works. Propeller provides custom web development and online marketing services to ski resorts, hospitality partners, and unique brands that aim to connect and convert more visitors into customers online. Custom web design, handcrafted in Vermont. Check them out at propellermediaworks.com, or you can follow them on the Facebooks or Twitters for Tasty little nuggets of online marketing truth. What's the point, Ventura? Only this. Hank, how you doing? Doing very well. Alex Kaufman. Nice to meet you, Alex. Nice to meet you, too. I'm Hank Ron. I'm the owner of Active Lifestyles. And I'm his wife, Barbara, who does the primary work for the Ski Club of Sarasota. And you guys found each other where and when? Well, we found each other a long, long time ago on Long Beach Island on the Jersey Shore. Uh, we've been married almost, uh, it'll be 50 years in June. Any, any regrets, Barbara? No regrets. <laughs> None at all. Uh, she's so <laughs> there have been trying times, but you know what? That's what a partnership is about. And your shop is very, uh, very bright, lots of different gear. Um, how long have you been running Active Lifestyles? We opened this in 1984. This is our 32nd winter. Most folks probably don't think a lot about ski shops in Florida. What, what's different about running a ski shop in Florida than perhaps, say, New Jersey? Uh, well, the clientele is different, and, you know, we have a very diverse clientele down here. A lot of the people are transplants who have skied much of their life and now come down here to retire and still want to ski. And then you also have the local people who, uh, when they want to go on vacation, want to go somewhere different. Uh, why go to the Bahamas? This is where we live in, a tropical paradise for most of the year. They want to go somewhere different, so skiing is the obvious choice. And was this a ski shop prior to you running, or did you guys launch it yourself? No, we, we initiated it. She, when I suggested the idea, uh, she thought I was crazy. And, uh, still yeah, do sometimes. Still, you know, <laughs> some years I am crazy. <laughs> And there's also a, the Ski Club of Sarasota. Am I saying that correctly? Yes. yes, that's correct. And how many, is there a membership? How many members? We have between 100 and 200 memberships, which include singles and families. So it's hard to say exactly how many members we have. But our membership is a very diverse group of people, from very young couples or single people to people who are in their 80s who still go skiing and enjoy traveling with the club. And you do how many trips a year to what sort of places around the globe? I mean, it looked like it was pretty wide-ranging. Yes, we have um, 
usually about three, four to ten trips a year. It depends on the season, and we are a part of the Florida Ski Council, so we always support the trips offered by the Florida Ski Council, which includes clubs from all around the state, and then we have other trips that we do on our own. Our club's favorite destination is Snowmass, and we go have been going there every year for more than 20 years. You mentioned international. Where do you guys head across the pond? Well, we've been all over. We've been every place in Europe. We've been to Japan. We have been to Australia, New Zealand, South America. So our trips are very diverse. We usually offer one international trip a season. This year, that trip is going to Zelensee in Austria in March. And then we have another trip that we're doing this year to Ireland, which is a bike and golf trip in May. And probably a lot of a lot of friendships, I would assume, through the ski club, where where folks get together, they they, they meet new friends, and they lifelong sort of things. I mean, is it is it mostly skiing? Is it mostly social? What's what's kind of the mix there? Everyone has a common interest in going to ski country. However, when they're back here, we get together for dinner at least once a month and um, send a, a notice about it to all of our members. And um, some people enjoy each other's company all the time, get together on a weekly basis. We've even had some couples who have met as singles traveling with us who have married and still go with us, oh, with their families now. Doing the matchmaking thing. <laughs> Unintentionally, yes. <laughs> well, let's check out the shop here. How many square feet do we have, Hank? Uh, the store is about 2,000 square feet. Uh, we've been in this location for 30 years now. That's amazing. So your customers uh, are are sort of who? They're, they're Explain them to me a little uh, bit. Like I say, it's very diverse. We we range from the guy who uh, is going to take his family uh, driving a pickup or SUV and go up to the Carolinas, of West Virginia. How long is that haul from here? Oh, it's uh, about 14 hours to uh, Carolinas, another couple hours to West Virginia. Uh, you get a few people go up to the Northeast, uh, go up to Vermont. You know, especially some of the families will do that. It's a little more economical. But the, the base of our group are people who want to go to Colorado, Utah, out west. Like Barb was saying, uh, Snowmass is our favorite. Uh, we were there two weeks ago. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a group of 30 people going to Whistler in British Columbia. Uh, and then we have another group in February going to Bend, Oregon, and we'll ski Mount Bachelor. Uh, and then she also should have mentioned that next year, our, our overseas foreign trip will be uh, to the North Island of Japan. We're going to Sapporo and ski there. They get a lot of snow there. Get a lot of snow, Barbara. You want to tell yes. them about it? Tell me about Sapporo, Barbara. Okay, I was there in December to check it out for us, and about two weeks before I left, they had zero snow, and I contemplated not even taking ski things with me. However, they got snow, and while we were there, it snowed so hard that it was actually almost too much for us some at some times but it was terrific the conditions were awesome they do a great job of grooming um, and it's at low elevation so there's no altitude problem for our people who are coming basically from ski level to go to a resort i love that ski level <laughs> that's that's what I call it. That's a good way to call it. Call it ski level. Sea level. The whole <laughs> industry should start doing that. Wow. Well, we, we kind of enjoy going to places with lower altitude because some of our people are affected by changing altitude. Yeah, and you mentioned Mount Bachelor, Pacific Northwest, a little lower than Colorado sort of thing, so that yes. helps. And then Whistler's one of the lowest there is because your base elevation right. there is about 2,200 feet. So. Yep. 
So it looks like mostly mostly soft goods. I see boots in the back. Uh, is there a ski wall or no ski wall down here in Florida? No, uh, with the airlines changing the uh, tactics that they use to make a lot of money uh, and charging for baggage, uh, very few of our customers uh, have their own skis anymore. Um, just cost prohibitive, you know, lugging them out there. So most of them rent. We do sell boots because people have had problems with rentals, and so they, they want to have their own boot, and so they'll still do that. So you must have a certain customer segment that walks in having nothing and needs to buy everything? Yeah, we love those customers that have nothing and want to buy everything. And, uh, you know, it, the scary part is because they live in Florida, they don't even have warm jackets. So uh, they got to start from scratch, and it can be a little intimidating. So we, we try to help them out with varying price points. And we even do a rental program. We'll rent a pant and a jacket for $80 for the week. So tomorrow I heard the weather forecast just coming in here on Florida Public Radio. Um, High of 55. Is that going to generate some sales for you tomorrow? Oh, High of 55? There's no doubt when it gets cold, it helps us a great deal. Uh, and so, we, you know, December was uh, disastrous because it was the warmest. As the whole East very well knows, uh, the warmest December in, that I can ever remember. And I'm pretty old. And so, uh, but since January, it's gotten cooler and business picked up, thank goodness. So. In the past, we've even had golfers who come in and say, I can't give up my golf time. I need a set of long underwear to put under my golf clothing. And they've even looked for gloves or mittens to wear that they can get their hand out of to hold their clubs. So that's been an interesting thing that happens, but it's pretty rare here. <laughs> Barbara, tell me about your first day on skis. You don't even want to know. It was in the Northeast. I was wearing jeans. The that's, binding, that's okay. <laughs> the binding that held my uh, the binding that held my boot was attached to my leg by a leather strap, which broke, and I ended up walking down the hill. So it wasn't pretty. Where, where was it? Probably an area that no longer exists or still functioning. I think it's still functioning up in New uh, Hampshire, yeah, and it was a small area called Black Mountain. Black We've Black. gone back to visit um, since then. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh, this was really intimidating to me at one point. And, of course, now it's just a part of my learning curve. Yeah, Black Mountain, um, just next to Jackson, New Hampshire. Right. And, and what about you, Hank? Uh, my first day, uh, my brother had gotten his driver's license. He's a little older than me. I was 12 years old, and he said, all right, we're going to go up to the Poconos. Uh, so we went up to Split Rock Lodge and uh, rented stuff and uh, – Slapped the boards on, went up the mountain, and skied. Had no idea what we were doing. Figured it all out on our own, and uh, uh, I fell in love with it. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. So you said you've been in the shop for 30 years. I guess that makes this the bulk of your ski industry careers. Or did you do stuff? Did you, you know, were you a lifty in 1982 no, no. or anything like that? And, and any any funny ski stories from from back in the day? What what uh, jumps to mind here? There's got to be something. There's too many of them. There's, you know, there's too many of them. Many of them are personal. Yeah, understood, understood. Uh, you know, uh, some I of... cried on a trail called Giggle Gulch out in Steamboat, which is a green trail worthy of its name. What, uh, what, what led up to that situation? <laughs> I fell a lot. <laughs> the first time I took her skiing, we when, when we went up to Black Mountain uh, in New Hampshire, and uh, we were married. You were just married then? I think so. Okay. Yes. And uh, so we're riding up the lift. And we get to the mid-station. I said, all right, let's get off here. And because, you know, I saw it was pretty easy. And she says, no, I don't want to get off. And so we got to the mid-station. She's holding on to the pole. And we went past. And so now we're getting up to the top. And I said, all right, we got to get off here. And she goes, no, I don't. 
and she went right around the turn wheel and started heading back down and uh, I got off and I was like okay and we're still together so you know it's pretty good fantastic it's all about compromise absolutely well let's let's stroll a little bit here walk, walk with me let's check out what we've got here uh, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of soft goods but I think folks probably want to hear a little bit about you know what do you actually stock in a ski shop if you're operating in Florida compared to New England compared to Colorado uh, it when you walk in it does look very um, ski shop e um, very very bright very well lit lots of memorabilia on the walls I bet some of this memorabilia Actually, tell me about those folks over there. Those are probably really important folks to you, huh? Are they skiing yet? Yeah, they're extremely important. They happen to be our three grandchildren who uh, we think are very, very special. Uh, and uh, we have taken them out to Snowmass. Uh, I see one of them on skis over there on the right. Yeah, that was the first time that Maggie, our oldest grandchild, who just turned 12 uh, this week, uh, and that was when she was four. And uh, she went skiing and spent the day. And when we asked how she liked it, she said it was okay. She said, but she liked going sledding much more. But that was at the age of four. Uh, now they, uh, uh, her and Ellie, her younger sister, have uh, ridden the chairs all the way to the top of Snowmass and skied down, giggling all the way, loving it. Is that a young Andre Agassi? That's yeah, very old. I, I used to have a uh, tennis shop uh, uh, and golf shop up in New Jersey on the Jersey Shore. And yeah, that's some memorabilia from that. And uh, this was a poster that he signed with uh, his denim shorts to me uh, way, way back uh, when we went to the Sporting Goods show. And then a plaque, the Golden Bear Jack Jack from 1986, his final Masters. I don't know if it was final. His final win, his final final victory at the Masters. When he made that long putt. Yeah, wow. Andre Agassi, yeah, both of these, he has a full head of hair. So this must be... Boy, and the, and the blue jeans, I would date that, 93, 4? Look, he's, he's playing tennis in... That's the old denim shorts. Short blue jeans. Blue jean denim shorts. That was a revolutionized the whole idea of how you dress for tennis. What an icon. Yeah. All right, and we got some old Burton memorabilia. That's probably from... Those are from uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, maybe even later. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a, a good amount of Burton gear. We've got obviously snowboard bags for folks who are going to be hitting uh, an airplane on their way out. Right. Um, so Burton, I see Spider, I see what Obermeyer. Obermeyer. G- give a give a few brand shout outs. What are you choosing to carry down here? What's well, what's Spider popular? Spider and Obermeyer are two biggest uh, companies that we deal with. Uh, we also use North Face, and then for men we have a company called Killtech for men and women. Um, great uh, price point line that's a little less expensive. Some ski furniture here in the back. Oh, those are Solomon Superforce 9s. I used to have a pair of those. Oh, man, I got to get a picture of that chair. That's a nice chair. I like we that one. I never had, had those. those chairs shipped to us from Aspen. Company in Aspen did them. Right. And that was, the old skis. It was a good use for old skis. Not much else to do with them. <laughs> no, it's very popular. I've seen um, ski pole plungers and, yeah. and um, different bottle openers, and it's kind of a new cottage industry of making things out of skis. Now, you guys probably don't tune a piece of gear. That would not make any sense here, would it? No, we do tune up. So we have a shop in the back we tune up, and uh, we sharpen edge and work on skis and snowboards. Okay, so people bring it back from wherever they were all messed yeah, up, pe- and you can tune it up. that own stuff still want to get it done, uh, you know, and so we do that for them. And you probably do that by hand. You probably don't have a staff member that does that, do you? Oh, I am the staff. Can, can I see your tuning equipment really quick? Yeah, Is it Montana or Winter Steiger? What do you got? I got, I got a uh, Montana. Just, uh, it's sitting here now. I just did a board this morning. Oh, yeah. I, I've worked on one of those guys before. Yeah. This is our little back shop. Yep. And uh, 
We do whatever we need to do to make the skis as good as possible. So everybody's ready to go. That way when they get out west, they can hit the slopes. They don't have to worry about having them fix them up. Which one was first, the ski club or the ski shop? The ski shop was first, and people were asking us to please help them out in finding destinations, and the ski club grew. And um, when we were at our peak, we took as many as 300 people on one trip. That's a real organizational uh, feat, and we did a good job on it. And, and those some of those people are still, still traveling with us. us today. So you must be the negotiator-in-chief then, getting these rates down with these ski resorts saying, hey, listen, I'm bringing a couple hundred people from the state of Florida to you. What are you going to do for me? So, I mean, how does that process work a little bit? Well, our club doesn't ask the resorts for anything other than lodging and lift ticket rates. Um, so they're very fond of us because we're not bugging them for advertising or or for complimentary things for our members or swag to give away. So the resorts are very good at offering us things, and they we have a good history with the resorts and, and a very fond history with some of the places. Um, so it's difficult sometimes because ski resort reps change a lot, and that's one of the reasons we have continued to find Snowmass so appealing, because our reps there have been the same for a good number of years. Any ski areas that the membership really want to get to that over the next handful of years you really have on your radar to try to go to next? You know, as a result of been doing this for almost 30 years now, uh, we have been to over 130 different ski resorts throughout the world. Wow. So the opportunity, uh, we've been to almost every major resort. And so to try and find something new that's different really gets difficult. We, we've skied in Norway and Lillehammer. We've looked at the going skiing in, in Sweden, Russia, and we're obviously looking into possibilities in China uh, should their facilities meet what we think are necessary for our customers. That's that's amazing. So you guys have a, a view on, I mean, We've that, that very, very few people have because most folks who are maybe closer to a certain area tend to ski there primarily. But because you're here in Florida and you're flying no matter what, you basically go anywhere all the time. I mean, I feel like if, if rather than reading a ski area resort ranking, um, which is inherently biased, you're like almost the most unbiased group of skiers that could exist because you just go everywhere with a with a clean slate i mean is that kind of how it feels just because we have places we like and and we like the places where obviously they're great resorts and the people there have been really good to work with and take care of us and and that's what we feel there are so many great resorts all over the united states and, and canada and europe so you know that's easy to take care of. It's the people you're dealing with, the, the continuity of, of that market that you deal with that really separates them. What's one thing in skiing that, you know, you wish would go back to how it was 20 years ago? The prices. The pricing, obviously. We used to be able to put a trip together. For example, we used to go to Europe for under $1,000, and that included airfare, ground transportation, lodging, breakfast, and dinner every day. That's a thing of the past, although the dollar has gotten much stronger this year. And the same is true out west. Um, we, I can remember doing trips for $695. Now we pay that much for airfare on some trips. Wow. Hank, Barbara, it's really been a pleasure. Can I get you guys to sit in these two awesome chairs so I can take your picture? Sure. 
Which one do you want, hon? You it want Solomon matter. or Rosamond? I'll go Solomon. <laughs> I would thought you went to right because you're always right. I, well, that's true, but I'll, I'll let you uh, have we'll just sit one. right here, you know? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you very much. And bring your children next time. We have lots of things for children. <laughs> this is double-pane soundproof glass. There's no way that neighbor could have heard Pedactor scream on the way down with that door shut. Yeah, all right. Let's, let's go now. Okay, what are we doing now? <laughs> uh, you're going to show me this tornado situation. Oh, this is went through here. You see the shop next door. That door and the next door next to it were blown out. Five window panes were blown out. Glass was all over here. The tornado went right up the street. You can see the tree. Oh my gosh. All the branches ripped off. The car dealership across had four big plate glass windows blown out. All the roofing material was blown off. There were rocks in the parking lot out here, bigger than golf balls, that were taken off the roof and dropped here. Went, yeah, you can see across, across the park, the you can see more yeah, destruction removed, over there. They removed uh, all the trees that were blown over and broken down. Oh my gosh, all right, so just to set the scene for people who are listening here, <laughs> the tornado that came through this area a week ago came through 30 feet or right on top of the strip mall looking thing that is where Active Lifestyles happens to be. You guys, so, so you, you got away unscathed just yeah, barely. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Wow. Now, you can still see there's insulation. Yeah, well, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's unbelievable. There's still some insulation. Wow, that, that was a close one. Yeah. Now they had uh, four big oak trees, you know, three, four feet in diameter that They're just they've completely taken away that were just damaged completely. Oh my gosh. And then it must have picked up and went off on its way and then landed further out west, or east rather, when it, and it, where it took out that guy's trailer home and killed him. Wow, that's unfortunate. Do you guys live really close to here? We live three miles that way. Yeah. So, yeah, it was close enough. We were sitting there watching the TV and the alarms all went off. Beep, 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 beep. Wake us up. Yes. Alarms came over our phone that woke us up, and then we turned, turned on, on the, TV. the TV, and they were suggesting taking shelter. We just barely sheltered, <laughs> sheltered in place. All right, I'm going to get my little closing wrapped up, and I'm going to come in and grab my bag. Thanks, guys. Wow. That was Barbara and Hank Braun. They own and run Active Lifestyles Snow Skiing Shop here in Sarasota, Florida. Also the Sarasota Ski Club. Uh, they've been to 130 resorts worldwide which is kind of amazing, and their shop was almost destroyed by a tornado uh, about six days ago. Uh, that was episode 16 of Wintry Mix. My name is Alex Kaufman. We appreciate the support from Vermont Public Radio. We have production assistance from Angela Evansy, and our theme music is by Adam Levy. Oh, this is a lot of traffic. All right, bye. Roger Pedactor's neighbor, she lives across the hall. She said she heard a scream. Is that right, ma'am? Right.